Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Joy of Financial Planning podcast. The topics of this podcast are a complement to the book, Joy of Financial Planning, available in stores including Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. Joy of Financial Planning is about the belief that we can overcome the unique economic and life challenges we face as a generation by first getting our financial house in order. In fact, we have no other choice. Now more than ever, we must grow our wealth, follow our passions, live with compassion, and find a way to achieve a personalized version of the American dream. Just as it has been in prior generations, the ideal of the American dream is being challenged, not just because of the novel coronavirus pandemic, but because of the callous murder of a fellow black man, George Floyd, that we all got to see. The example of his abuse, and that of many others, cuts through the core of the American dreams I have believed in all of my life. I have a persistent belief that all are created equal, worthy of respect, deserving of opportunity, and the ideals of the American dream live inside all of us. I thank you for supporting dreams, your dreams, by listening to this podcast. The purpose of this content is to educate listeners and for them to inform others. This episode is part of a series of recorded Zoominars from my Jason Howell Company YouTube channel. That's where you'll find the video versions. In my business life, my wealth management firm collaborates with many experts. Together, we transform regular investors into patriarchs and matriarchs of their families and their communities. This episode features some of that expertise. Please send your feedback to jason at jasonhowell.com and give this episode a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, if that's the kind of thing you do. For more about my unique brand of family wealth management, just go to jasonhowell.com. And now, Impact Investing with Donor Advised Funds with Daniel Blake of University Impact. And welcome to yet another great episode of the Jason Howell Company Zoominar Speaker Series. My name is Jason Howell, and I'm happy to host these Zoominars, not just for the benefit of our clients or financial planning clients, but for our entire network. 2020 is a tough, unexpected year for every one of us. Um, this is a time, though, to share. And what we have best to share is our network. As I tell my students that I teach uh, financial planning to, your network is your net worth. We are happy to bring the experts that we surround ourselves with uh, for our clients to everyone that we know just to see if we can help each other. And so today we've got a great program. Um, I won't say the title yet because I'll be saying it later, but we've got Mr. Daniel Blake uh, from University Impact, and we will have an introduction with Mr. Blake in a little bit. For now, though, uh, Dan, I just want to say hi. Thank you for being here. How was your day? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's been a great day so far. It's beautiful weather uh, over here in Utah. Beautiful weather in Utah. What does that mean in the summer? Um, it's starting to uh, to cool down. So, you know, it's probably at mid-80s right now. Mid-80s. Yeah, I guess we're two days into the fall, aren't we? <laughs> so uh, and not quite summer anymore. Uh, not, not much one of those long-lasting summers. I feel like it's cooling down immediately, and that's all we get. <laughs> we're moving right in. Um, but that's okay. I'm done with 2020, so that'll be fine with me. 
Well, we've got folks uh, coming in as I'll be letting in over the uh, as the dings happen. So we'll let that happen. If you have any questions for Dan, you can put them in the chat. Uh, send them out to everyone. I'll read them. Dan will read them. I'll interrupt our questions with your questions so that there's an opportunity for you to be heard since you were kind enough to be on this Zoominar live. With that, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and we will start our official program here. So once again, welcome everyone. If you came to Impact Investing with Donor Advised Funds, you came to the right Zoominar. Very happy to have Daniel Blake as our guest today with University Impact. We'll find out more about that firm and more about Daniel. He goes by Dan, by the way, in just a minute. Uh, but for now, let's just have a word from our sponsor. Jason Howell Company is a family wealth advisory firm. What we do is work with families and clients to ensure that they're doing a couple of things, um, the best for their families, the best for their communities. We do this with sustainable, responsible investing and proactive philanthropy. Again, this is the kind of year where if you're not thinking about socially responsible stuff and philanthropy, I don't know what's gonna change your mind. We're really happy though to empower our clients this way, especially for people who are making more money than they thought they ever would, or even inherited more money than they ever thought they would. It's a great opportunity to have this focus and talk with people who can help appropriate those funds in a way that really connects with their values. And with that, today, we've got someone who can help people do that in Daniel Blake at University Impact. For those of you who registered for this, you saw some of his bio earlier. Uh, this is not his first rodeo as far as firms that he's been a part of, that he's been a part of doing as a startup. Um, he's done a number of things, including this firm EcoScraps that he sold to Scott's Miracle Grow. Um, a couple of others, some marketing opportunities that he's had with some Fortune 500 firms that he should and ought to be very, very proud of. Um, Brigham Young, university grad. Um, I'll let him tell a little bit about why he's an adjunct professor at Brigham Young and maybe a little bit more about economic self-reliance and, of course, university impact. Please, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, starting with why I'm a, a professor. Um, it's not a um, very good secret, but I actually didn't graduate from BYU. I dropped out to start my company, EcoScraps. Wow. Okay. So as as a part of that, um, I've always felt like I, I needed to go back and finish my, my education at BYU. Um, but I, I've just been too busy to take classes. And so as I was looking at this, BYU said, hey, you should come back, not as a student, but as a, a professor. And so, you know, I figured that's the, the next best thing. If I, you know, actually can't get my undergraduate degree, at least I, I can teach some of the, the undergrad and graduate classes at BYU and help other people get their uh, uh, degrees. I wonder what that's like for the students when you say, hi, everybody, just so you know, I didn't graduate, um, but happy to be your professor. Of course, you should also back in that with, neither did Michael Dell, neither did Bill Gates, neither did Larry Ellison, and they're all doing okay. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it gets really awkward when when they're farther along and they have more credits than than I do. So, well, wow. wow. with the underclassmen, it's uh, it's OK. Now, tell us a little bit about, I guess, University Impact or maybe start with Echo Scraps or Eco Scraps, however you say it, and University Impact. Yeah, absolutely. So Eco Scraps was a company that recycled food waste into lawn and garden products. So a lot of people don't know this, but 50% of all the food that we grow in America ends up in the, the landfill, which is just, um, it's shocking how, how wasteful we are. But then if you look at what happens as food rots and all the emis uh, emissions that it's creating, 
it's also just creating this really large environmental problem. And so we saw you, you could recycle it through composting. Um, we grew EcoScraps to be one of the, the largest food waste recycling companies in the United States, as well as one of the largest organic brands of lawn and garden products in the, the United States. And then like it mentions here, uh, that company was acquired by Scott's miracle Grow. Um, and what I learned at EcoScraps is really one of the big reasons why I'm at University Impact. Generally, when you think about solving social or environmental problems, you immediately think of, of charities and nonprofits. What I saw with EcoScraps is business can also be a really good tool for solving some of these complicated social and environmental problems. And one of the, the great things about business, a, a for-profit business, it's sustainable as it scales. And so you can take a, a small solution to a really big problem and create a, a for-profit business around it. And then as it scales, you have a really large solution to that, that large problem. And so that, that's you know, um, really influenced a lot of my philosophy um, in how I think about how should we solve these social and environmental problems. And business isn't you know, the, the solution to everything. There are instances where you do need policy or you do need nonprofits, but there is a role for business to play. And so that's, you know, that, that really led me to University Impact. So University Impact is focused on impact investing. So it's investing in for-profit companies that are solving these social or environmental problems. So we do both debt and equity uh, investing, both uh, here domestically and, and abroad. Well, uh, and I think that's one of your unique uh, sort of uh, factors, isn't it? The fact that you not only do it domestically in the United States, but also all over the world. Right. Yep. No, oh, that's terrific. Well, let's get into some of the Q&A and, uh, and help answer some questions here. You know, there are folks who maybe have never heard of donor advised funds. They maybe never heard of impact investing. Um, they certainly and in all likelihood have not heard of early stage impact investing. So let's start with that, Dan. Uh, tell us what is exactly early stage impact investing? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of stuff gets grouped in uh, when people talk about impact investing. And so especially when we're talking about uh, later stage impact investing, which is what most people do, um, they will often lump in SRI, social responsible investing and ESG. Uh, environmental, social, uh, and governmental. And technically, those are not impact investing. Those are both good things. But SRI, it's really a negative screen. You're looking at your portfolio, and you're taking everything that's negative out of it. You're taking out tobacco, you're taking out private prisons. Um, but that, that's really all it is. It is just a negative screen. And then ESG investing, which also gets lumped in with impact investing a lot, um, that's uh, a score, it's a metric, it's a, um, a grading scale for companies to say, how are those companies' initiatives doing with the environment, with social issues, with uh, the governance of the, the company? And so McDonald's has a really high ESG score. Uh, ExxonMobil has a really high ESG score. And when most people think of companies that are solving social problems, they're probably not thinking of McDonald's or ExxonMobil. And so SRI, so it's a good tool, but you should understand the limits of it. And ESG, again, it's another really great tool. Those, those are important things for these companies uh, to be doing, um, but it, it also has limits. So when we talk about impact investing, we're talking about companies whose core mission 
is to solve some social or environmental problem. And so then we, we add on this early stage. And so just like in the, the life cycle of a traditional company, you have you know, the founding team, the story of Apple starting in the, the garage or you know, Amazon starting in the, the garage and you know, the, the late nights, everyone working uh, around the clock, building that early stage company. And then the, the company slowly grows up you know, into the, the behemoth that is now Apple or Amazon. And so that, that same life cycle happens with impact companies. And so the reason that we focus on early stage impact investing is there's a lack of capital there. There's a lot of fantastic ideas and there, there are actually a lot of profitable companies that are, um, that are just early stage. And for lots of different reasons, most early stage investors, venture capitalists tend to invest in the you know, what they want to be the next Facebook or the, the next big tech company. And so a lot of these early stage impact companies are just overlooked. Um, and so that, you know, we're wanting to shine a light on them. That's where we want our focus to be. Um, and then, you know, we invest our dollars hoping that they'll double or triple in size. And at that point, they're either self-sustaining or they're at a point where they can go get uh, more traditional investors. And so you kind of provide... Um yeah, like this idea around angel investing mm -hmm. for organizations that have some actual special cause, even if they're, I mean, even because there are nonprofits, but you find a way to kind of end this around, do the best of what for-profit fundraising does for nonprofits. Exactly. Yep. Terrific. Um, tell us about how you work with donor advised funds, because that's something separate and distinct, but I think that is somehow embedded into your model somehow. Yeah, absolutely. So really high level. So a donor advised fund, um, it's a charitable giving vehicle. So you can uh, make a donation into a donor advised fund. You get uh, an immediate tax deduction and then you really have an indefinite amount of time to then go make those charitable donations to individual charities. One thing that a lot of people don't know is that the IRS also allows for impact investing out of a DAF. So in addition to giving to the, the local Boys and Girls Club in your community, you can also um, make uh, an impact investment, whether it's a debt investment or an equity investment. The interesting thing is, is that all of those returns just go back into the donor advised fund for future giving. So that, that you know, that's high level. That's what a donor advised fund is. And now getting into the, the question of how do donor advised funds relate to what we're doing with impact investing? So high level, there's $120 billion currently in donor advised funds. 20% of that capital hasn't been touched in over a decade. So you have $25 billion that's been set aside for philanthropic use that's candidly sitting in some mutual fund for the last decade and hasn't been touched. It's out of sight, out of mind. So when we looked at all of the sources of capital, the one that kept on coming up was donor advice funds. They're growing really quickly. Lots of people are putting lots of money into them, but money's not leaving the donor advice fund. And so from a really high level, it's a very underutilized asset class. And so we figured, so we, we started talking to people, why you have a donor advice fund, why aren't you using a donor advice fund? And all these individuals would talk about how they had all these charitable intentions they were just really busy and they, they didn't know what charity, what group should I give my money to? 
And so there was this problem of this money being stuck in donor advised funds without people um, working to identify what are the best solutions, what are the best companies where these, these DAF funds should be going. And so uh, that's really where University Impact comes in. So we said, let's, let's marry this idea of this underutilized capital in donor advised funds and pair it with some of the best in class opportunities from an impact investment standpoint. So the team at University Impact will work with the donor advisor, with the client, and will say, what, what do you care about? Um, what, what areas do you care about? Do you care about childhood education? Do you care about um, reducing obesity? Do you care about reducing poverty, um, you know, health and education? Are there specific geographies that you care about? Do you wanna do things in your local community or in the, you know, uh, domestically here in the United States or internationally? And then we go find opportunities on the client's behalf. Um, and then we do all the due diligence. We present that due diligence to a professional investment committee. And only if it passes the investment committee, do we then go talk to the donor advisor. And so we'll say, Jason, you told us that you were interested in, and Jason and I, we haven't had this conversation, so I'm making this up. Sure. You told us that you were interested in land conservation in the Rocky Mountains, which is actually what I, I'm interested in. Um, so I'm projecting my interests on. Yes, Jason. you are. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, education in Southeast Asia. And so based off of those interests, we've found the best in class organizations that are solving those problems. And here are the ones working on land conservation in the Rocky Mountains. Here are the ones working on improving access to education in Southeast Asia. These two are a grant opportunity. These two are an equity opportunity which ones do you wanna do? And we've found by doing all that hard work on behalf of the client, they are then deploying the money out of their DAF that much faster. And so that, that's the connection between donor advised funds and impact investing. So, so if I get you correctly here, there are philanthropic people, people that want to give away their money. They use the vehicle of what's called a donor advised fund. They get a tax deduction but the money sits there. They don't actually put it out. They don't actually give it to the nonprofits. And in part of it is just, there are so many organizations to donate to. Uh, part of it is they're busy people. That's why they had money to give away in the first place. Yep. Um, and you can go to these folks and you can say, well, listen, let me hear what you need. I'm going to go do research on your behalf. I'll come back to you and let you know what opportunities there are based on the causes that give you inspiration that you're passionate about. But, you know, answer this, Dan. I mean, I don't understand. Why aren't the firms that they're working with doing this work for them? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. And that, that was the, the first question that, that we had. Donor advised funds have been around for a really long time. So you have lots of groups. Um, Fidelity, Charity, uh, Fidelity Charitable um, is currently the single largest charity in America now. So that, that's how popular they have become. That's how much money is in their donor advised funds. Schwab Charitable, I believe they're the third or the fourth largest charity in America now. Um, so yes, lots of players have been, been in this industry for a really long time. And some of it is just a function of size. They're so large now that they have to manage to the lowest common denominator. And so they've become really restrictive. They've said, even though the IRS allows for all this flexibility, we're going to limit you to only registered nonprofits with the IRS. 
Um, and again, it's, it's, it's not because they have bad intentions or anything. They're just massive organizations. And so they have to manage to the, the lowest common denominator. And so at University Impact, we have the benefit of being a smaller organi- uh, organization. We can offer a more bespoke um, offering. Um, and, you know, some of that is, is we, we should never become the same size as Fidelity Charitable. You know, if we do, we're going to have the same problems as them. So some of it's also the self-regulation of making sure we're small enough so that we can offer that, that white glove service on behalf of these, these clients. And um, I guess the question will be sort of asked by people who are listening. You, you go do this work on, on a client's behalf. Um, the money is sitting at maybe Vanguard, maybe Fidelity. They're, they're getting their fees. How do you get compensated if they say, yeah, I, I do want to support the Rockies and, and Fidelity will, will push that money out there for me. How, how do you get your firm in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. So you have really two relationships that become really important in donor advice funds. So you have the donor advice fund sponsor. Um, so that would be Fidelity Charitable or Schwab Charitable or University Impact. And then you have the financial custodian. And so that's going to be uh, Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, any of the other large financial institutions. In the case of Fidelity Charitable, they require that Fidelity, their sister organization, is then the financial custodian. And that, that candidly creates some conflicts because they, they're saying you don't have any choice in who the financial custodian is. And then the financial custodian, Fidelity, says, we're going to limit your investments to our products, largely to our our mutual funds. And so the DAF host, Fidelity Charitable, they're charging an admin fee. Fidelity, the financial custodian, is then charging an investment fee. And then the mutual funds have all the costs associated with them, the expense ratio, the transaction cost, cost, the cash drag. And so most people only look at the admin fee. They only look at what the DAF sponsor is charging, not recognizing that there are all these additional costs. So what we would recommend, regardless of who you're working with, you should decouple that relationship. By decoupling that relationship, it puts you as the client or you as the financial advisor in the driver's seat. And you can say, I'm going to fire my DAF sponsor or I'm going to fire the custodian and you don't have to worry about them being uh, connected at the, the hip. And so in the, in the case of University Impact, we're the DAF sponsor. So we charge an admin fee, just like Fidelity Charitable or Schwab Charitable. We then allow you as the advisor to select who, who is the financial custodian. And so it might be Fidelity, it might be Schwab, it might be TD Ameritrade. You know, it's, it's probably going to be whoever else you work with your book, uh, you work with, with your book of business. And then because you're selecting that relationship, you have more control on where those investments are going. And so you can say, I want to avoid these mutual funds because they do have a really high expense ratio. Um, Or this is the the financial strategy that my my client wants me to execute on. And I want to make sure that the investments uh, reflect that. And so by decoupling that relationship, you have, you're in the driver's seat, you make all the decisions, you can better manage all of the, the costs associated with donor advice funds. And then to just very specifically answer the question, how is it that University Impact makes money? It is off of that admin fee that we charge. 
uh, for being the, the DAF sponsor. Got it. Thank you. I mean, that, that's just helpful as we sort of make choices um, around the people that we work with. We want to know how they make their money so that we can kind of know what's going on in the background. Also know why things are maybe stuck, right? If I have a donor advice fund at one of the big shops, why is it stuck? Why haven't I been pushed one way or another? Well, tell us about the university part. I mean, that's the part that always made me forget the name, right? Because I, I kind of knew what you did, but um, I'd have to remember that it's called University Impact. And then I'd say, why is it university in the first place? So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's called University Impact um, because we use university students, undergrad and graduate students to find all these opportunities and do the due diligence on these, these opportunities. And so, you know, some people will ask, well, what's the, the quality like if it's all being done by, by university students? And there's a really interesting marriage of we have the, the passion of these university students um, with the oversight of a professional investment committee. And so, yes, you have university students doing all this work, but all these opportunities are presented to the a professional investment committee where we have leaders from, you know, really large family foundations and venture capital funds um, and some of the, the leaders in microfinance and emerging market uh, investing, as well as uh, from some of the, the larger academic institutions. So it's a very robust investment committee. And so that, that allows us to make sure that the quality of the due diligence is very high and we only show stuff to clients after it passes that, that investment committee. But it also means that we have a whole lot of bandwidth, which allows us to go find a lot of different opportunities and do due diligence on all these different opportunities. So we have both undergrad and graduate students from universities all over the world. So universities like Oxford uh, in the UK and uh, the University of Cape Town in South Africa, um, Harvard, Wharton, Michigan, uh, Brigham Young University, um, obviously given my relationship with uh, BYU. Um, and what's interesting here is you have this charitable money that you're putting into a DAF. And that money is going to go out and do a lot of good as you deploy it into these charitable organizations. But your money is also working overtime because we use this admin fee. And as you uh, work with University Impact and we find more of these opportunities, you're giving this super immersive hands-on learning experience to these university students. And so what you're doing is you're training the next generation of social impact leaders as you're executing on your impact strategy. And so I think that marriage between the two becomes really, really meaningful. Well, that's great. I mean, that's, that's sort of multi-generational impact, right? Um, which is exciting. I did get a question in the chat. I'll just read it to you. Um, the person asked to just talk about the logistics of how to establish that decoupled fund that you mentioned um, and how exactly does money move between that decoupled fund and uh, the charity? Yeah, so um, so the, the first thing is finding a DAF sponsor that allows you, the advisor, to determine who the financial custodian is. So University Impact is a good example. The American Endowment Foundation is also a, a really great uh, DAF sponsor. Um, and Impact Assets would kind of be the, the third. So the, those would be three that I'd look at. Um, and then the, the first step is going to be setting up a, um, a DAF account. And so in the case of University Impact, it's UITripleDAF.org. Um, and it's called a triple DAF because you get your tax deduction 
you create a personalized impact strategy that we execute on, and then you're training the next generation of social impact leaders. So UITripleDAF.org. And there you'll see a, a button that says create account. And it takes about 10 minutes to, to create your donor advice fund account. And that's pretty similar regardless of uh, who you're, you're working with. So in that setup process, we ask you to identify who do you want the financial custodian to be? Do you want it to be Fidelity or TD Ameritrade? Um, once we get that information on the back end, we then go in, in the case, you know, we'll use TD as an example. We would then create a specific sub account at TD Ameritrade specific to that DAF. And we'd list you as the advisor on that account. And when so you say you, say you do you mean me as a financial advisor or, or me as a client? So the client would be the um, donor advisor on the, so the owner of the account is University Impact. Okay. The client is like the primary contact and then the financial advisor would be the advisor on, on the account. Okay. So you have three people now that have eyes on this account, University Impact, the client and the, the financial advisor. And so University Impact, we then work with the advisor to say, what's the giving timeline for this individual? Based off of that, what investments should be made? We wanna make sure that the investing strategy aligns with the, the giving strategy. And then whenever the, the client wants to make a deployment, uh, we'd work with you as the advisor to liquidate funds and then send that off to, you know, whether it's the Boys and Girls Club or you know, some, some investment opportunity. Got it. Got it. And if, um, if there's a follow-up question, I'll, I'll let you know, Dan. Um, where are you seeing the greatest impact today? A lot of causes around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much going on in America right now, whether it's social justice or, you know, related to all the fires on the, the West Coast. Um, there's a tremendous amount uh, just related to, to COVID. Um, uh, health issues related to COVID, um, issues around evictions, issues around um, helping small businesses. Uh, we're seeing a lot, you know, specifically with, uh, with restaurants. Um, so, you know, this, this is a unique time, just given that there are so many issues here at home. Um, if we were to take a step back, um, one of the things that's always really meaningful for our donors are helping people out of poverty. Um, as you can bring yourself out of poverty, you then have access to your own capital that you can use for education, that you can use for healthcare, that you can use for all these, these other issues. And so at, at the root of so many of these is, is poverty. And so, um, you know, we spend a lot of our time working with organizations that are all about how do we reduce poverty? Um, and just a, a really quick example of that, and this is one of my, my favorite companies, um, it's a company called Vindia. They're based in Bangalore, India, uh, and it's a back office support company. So super traditional company, data entry, call center support, image recognition. Um, they, they work with a lot of the largest banks in India doing all of their uh, accounting and, and data entry. Uh, but what makes Vindia unique is 70% of all their employees are people with disabilities. So they're blind, they're deaf, they have severe mobility issues. 80% of all people in India that have a disability are in poverty. 
They can't get a job. They become a huge financial liability on their family. They, they really become an anchor to their family, pulling their family back into uh, poverty. But what Vindy has found is they compare a person with a disability to a specific task and they're able to outperform their able-bodied peer. And so somebody that's blind does really well in a call center. Somebody that's deaf has better image acuity than somebody with all their senses and they do better with image recognition. So what, what has happened is India, Vindia then has become more profitable than all of their other peers. Um, while at the same time hiring hundreds, they, they currently have about 1800 employees, 70% of which were living in poverty, had major disabilities. So they're helping hundreds and hundreds of people out of poverty, giving them back their dignity, um, you know, giving them the resources that they need through this job to then send their children to school to get access to uh, to healthcare, and I, I I really think that's the the power of impact investing, finding these companies, helping them scale these incredibly meaningful solutions. Um, so yeah, so high level we see a lot around reducing poverty, but this year there's just been so much happening um, that that we see a lot of people increasing their giving trying to, uh, to help uh, alleviate a lot of the, the issues that, that we have here at home. And just to clarify, I mean, this Bindia firm sounds terrific, but they're not a nonprofit. And so you've got resources going to them. Uh, I guess it still counts as far as the donor advised fund goes, because I got my deduction when I, you know, when I sent it to the DAF, mm -hmm. um, but then that money can be repurposed to this firm like a Bindia, that's a for-profit firm. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're a for-profit firm. And so what we're looking at with, with Vindia, they, they currently have, say, half a million dollars in debt from 16 different lenders that they had to cobble together. And so it's consolidating that debt and refinancing it at a, a lower rate. So it's a, a debt investment into a for-profit company. And it, it absolutely does qualify because it's helping bring people out of poverty. The unique thing about it is any of the returns from that debt investment go back into the donor advised fund for future giving. And so the, the thing that we have to um, be careful of with these impact investments is just making sure that none of the returns go back to benefit the client in a financial way. The only thing that can happen with the returns is that they go back into the DAF for future giving, which is really interesting from a, a legacy building perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's your triple threat, right? Because you're, you're also getting more employees into this organization um, might be we might be tripping into quadruple here yeah. in a bit here with uh, University Impact. Well, we've just got a little bit of time left. So um, let's see if we can knock out a couple of these questions. I mean, basic question, you know, when, how uh, is a good time to get involved in, in starting a, a DAF fund, as it were? I mean, for example, an organization like yours do you have a minimum and is that typical of the vanguards and the fidelities? Yeah, great question. So um, you can both create new donor advised funds and you can also transfer donor advised funds. And so you, you could transfer a fund from Fidelity to Schwab or from Fidelity to University Impact or from University Impact back to Fidelity. So if, if you already have clients that have donor advised funds, but they feel like they're, they're not getting everything out of it that they want, it is worth looking at transferring and finding a, a new DAF host. Um, or if you have a client that has a large liquidity event or unexpected income or you know, whatever the, the case may be, 
um, you know, any time is a good time to, to start a, a donor advised fund. Often the conversation happens when we talk about taxes, but it's really important to remember that this isn't just a tax tool. Yes, it helps you with a tax deduction, but this is really a giving tool. And so, you know, taxes happen once a year, but people have their philanthropic interests year round. And so there's, you know, there, there's not really a bad time to bring up what are your philanthropic goals and is there a more tax advantageous way of accomplishing that? And that's probably through a donor advised fund. Um, so then getting to your, your question about minimums. So at University Impact, we don't have a minimum. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, it's, uh, you're talking about millions of dollars or hundreds of dollars. We are, you know, more than happy and absolutely thrilled to work with you in creating that DAF. Um, Fidelity, I believe, has a $5,000 minimum. Schwab might have a five or $10,000 minimum. Most people you'll find that they have minimums between five and $10,000. Um, anything higher than $10,000 is actually pretty abnormal. You'll find a few organizations that, that do that, but most are in that, that five to, uh, to $10,000 range. At University Impact, we don't have a minimum. We think it's really important that people should have access to this tool regardless of how much money is going into it. Yeah. That's terrific. I mean, you you can really inspire a lot of people to kind of get involved in philanthropy at a much younger age and people that kind of want to, but they don't know that these vehicles are open to them. Is that part of the strategy and having no minimum? Exactly. Yep. So we, we want to engage people, you know, as quickly as we can and as early on in their career as we can. And hopefully, you know, we can then go through that education process together. And they, you know, they can take the time to really sharpen and refine their, their philanthropic and their, their impact strategy. And so that's, you know, that's not something that you should wait to do until later in life. And, and because of that, is your typical client a little bit younger at University Impact as far as the people that are opening donor advice funds? Um, you know, it, it's definitely a mixed bag. And I, I don't know if I'd say a majority are younger, but we definitely do see a lot of younger clients. Um, Opportunity for younger. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's healthy and that's wonderful. Um, it's good to know there's a firm that doesn't maybe have the big box label that you can kind of do the same thing. I mean, the donor advised fund is it's sort of a, a basket, right? And you can put whatever you want in that basket and you can repurpose that basket later, however you'd like. It doesn't have to be a big name brand. Um, so University Impact, I guess, is one of many types of funds that are outside the Vanguard Fidelity sort of, uh, you know, space, um, but yet inside the space of donor advised funds, except you have a triple threat. And so people should consider that. Um, all right. Well, great. I, I'm going to stop the share here. So if you're on, brace for very big faces. And, uh, you know, Dan, it's been really educational having you on and just hearing about the different ways that we can repurpose or actually purpose our philanthropic values. And we, maybe we weren't millionaires, maybe we were. And like you said, we were maybe too busy. It sort of just landed in a place where it's stuck and there's an opportunity to unstuck it as it were. Before we go, just give us a thought as we, um, as we part from this Zoominar and we move on to real life. Um, though I do see something in the chat, so we might have a secondary thought. So let me, let me go to that before, uh, before we part here. Uh, no, just uh, great information. Um, yeah, before we go, I mean, what should we walk away with in thinking about donor advised funds and thinking about making an impact? 
uh, and thinking about getting involved in causes that we're really um, passionate about. Yeah, you know, the the last thing that I would say is you and your clients should be just as deliberate and thoughtful about their philanthropic strategy as they are with their, their financial strategy. All the planning, all the discussion that goes into their financial strategy, those same things should be happening happening with their philanthropic goals. Um, and, and donor advised funds are just a, a piece of that. And they're, they're great because of how flexible they are in helping your client accomplish what their, their goals are. Um, but too often, you know, I hear people just talk, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I hear people talk about DAFs really just as a tax tool. And it's so important to remember, it's a giving tool that has great tax advantages to it, but it isn't exclusively a, a tax tool. And as we shift the conversation, to let's learn about what your philanthropic interests are and what your goals are, then just becomes that much more rewarding for the, the client. Um, and, the, and that's really what all this is, is all about. Wow. Daniel Blake, everyone, not necessarily a college grad, but that's a good thing, according to uh, some of the wealthiest we have in our society, some of the biggest philanthropists we have in our society. So let's keep an eye on Daniel Blake of University Impact and see where he's headed over time. Uh, you know, thank you for spending some of your time with us. Uh, thank you for paying it forward with your, uh, I guess, your colleagues over at Brigham Young University. Maybe one day you'll grab that uh, honorary degree, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but we look forward to, you know, having conversations with you just as a firm over time. And I'm certain anyone that registered and was listening to this would love to contact you. People that registered and didn't come on may want to contact you. Uh, I don't think I had your email address on there, but I'll send that out to the group. But if you want to just say it out loud, you can here too. Yeah, so it's Dan, D-A-N, at uimpact.bc. So U-I-M-P-A-C-T dot B-C, as in venture capital. Okay, all right. Well, thanks so much again for being here with us. And uh, we look forward to the next time we can talk with you, Dan. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jason.